0: Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here at uh on the eve of the NFL draft. Oh my god, boys. Sports content. Actual live sports content coming our way tomorrow. It's it's it, it, it's it's so special. I can't it's this it's this pretty little thing we can hold in our hands. Like, oh god. I can't wait. I, uh... <laughs>
1: I I think the the sports populace, especially the Internet, the sports Internet populace is so mouth is like so famished for this kind of content that you're going to see more idiotic and outlandish draft takes than maybe we've ever seen. And that's saying something.
0: Oh, the hot hot take reserve is like overflowing. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like oil prices right now where they're literally paying people to store it. I mean, it, it, yeah, the reserves have been topped off. Uh, Elo, I know you're excited for this. So, are, how are the Dolphins going to screw up? Dra- you know, screw up and not draft to attack of Iloa.
2: Well, that's the thing, right? Like the sports fan in me is excited for this draft. Thankfully, it's here as a Dolphin fan. I'm petrified uh, because I think the Dolphins will screw this up, and they'll probably get to screw it up by taking an offensive lineman, just like they did the year they took Jake Long over Matt Ryan, or the you know they've done they've have a history of this. So I'm very petrified. Uh, I'll be excited until that clock ticks and says Miami Dolphins. And then, uh, yeah, if we pass on Tua.
0: If they pass on Tua and draft Herbert, what will you do? uh,
2: Cry. (laughs) Why? And resign to the fact that the Dolphins will never be relevant. That, because I don't, you know. Just that's just what's going to be. I mean, I don't know.
0: I, my my hot takes on two are are well known to everybody who follows me on Twitter. So,
2: oh, that's right. You don't think he's very good because God no. forbid he throws a lot of accurate passes and touchdown passes. But hey, uh, but, be no,
0: nice. behind behind the behind five of the best offensive linemen in college football, where Justin Herbert doesn't. But you know, uh, right.
2: yeah, because that's. The reason, you know, that's the reason why he's not—he's he's very good. It's not having, like, and by the way, guess what? Other Alabama quarterbacks have had the same offensive lineman. It doesn't mean they're in the NFL. So, it, it, by the way, the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, he had a lot of offensive. <laughs> right. Line so,
0: so, so, so yeah. what? So what makes two any? Anyway, we're getting off track here. Let's let's talk about the actual use of Miami, stuff.
2: please. <laughs>
0: by the way, game.
2: me and Murph actually watched him in person. We'll kind of cite uh, Murph. You can you please straighten Jeff out? Two is pretty good.
1: No, Tua is very good. Uh, the only issue with me and Tua, with Tua for me is the obvious one, which is: Do you want to spend that kind of draft capital and sort of tie your franchise's future to a guy who's had what five knee surgeries or five major surgeries in the last not not no, knee first. surgery but five major surgeries in the last uh, handful of months? It's worth All it's right,
0: worth we're thinking, thinking about. It's worth thinking about. Yeah, that's.
1: Ask McKenzie Milton what he thinks. does he like? But, yeah, and let's not. But let's like. But I will not be here to. I, I'm not. I'm not here to to let anybody besmirch Tua. He's a very good player who's you. got all the tools you want. He's got all the tools you need to be a good quarterback. Uh, and if his mobility is up to snuff and he can still do that and be dangerous with his legs while keeping his arm strength and his his ability to read things quickly and his accuracy, he's going to be very good. Um, and they give him a good offensive line, then you're going to see what he did in college, kind of repeated because. That's what he can do when he's got good personnel around him. He's a good, he's a very talented okay. player. You're right. I mean, uh, I,
0: I, 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 I agree. He'll be an excellent fit for the Los Angeles Chargers. Anyway, uh, okay. let's talk about, uh, we're going to talk about the NFL draft for, uh, from the UCF perspective. Uh, we've got a bunch of profiles up of potential players who will either get drafted or be signed by NFL clubs shortly following the, uh, the NFL draft, which will take place, of course, Thursday uh, through Saturday. Uh, and we'll be live and we'll probably be a gigantic technical cluster. This is the world's most important Zoom call. Someone's going to screw it up.
1: Especially if Uh, Spectrum's involved. What? (laughs) And and, and Jeffrey, as much as you want to dog the Dolphins, you know that Dave Gettleman is going to lose connection when the Giants come on the clock at 4. Oh, yeah.
0: No, 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 here's the thing. I know Dave Gettleman will be fine. You know why? I guarantee you, underneath his desk... He's got like a backup landline phone. That's like his grandmother's old handheld rotary. The one that, the one that AT&T gave you, you know, back in the day when, when you, when you signed up for phone service with Ma Bell, guarantee you, he's got one of those. (laughs) Guarantee you, he's got one of those lying around just in case. Um, We will also talk about uh, uh, some uh, basketball moves happening with, uh, well, Colin Smith and Darren Green Jr. Um, declaring for the NBA draft but like maybe but not really uh, and also a, a new addition to the UCF men's basketball program in former Louisville guard Darius uh, Perry uh, you can follow us at UC at UCF underscore banneret on Twitter facebook.com slash black and gold Banneret, and of course uh, black and gold uh, dot com. all right so NFL draft here we go boys we've been waiting for it for a while they've they've been uh, They've been saving it up for us, and and here we are. Thursday night is your your first round. Friday is your second and third, and then Saturday is four through seven. Uh, Essentially, there are seven UCF players who are kind of in the major draft pool, and we're going to start with the guy who's at the top of the boards in terms of who everyone thinks, uh, or who who the most likely consensus uh, is that uh, uh, will be the highest UCF player taken, and that's Gabe Davis, a wide receiver, who came out early. Um, projected to be a mid-round selection. Not a first-rounder, but maybe second, but more likely third or fourth. Uh, obviously came out early. He's 6'3", 213. Ran the forty at four five four. I by the way I, now I have his profile up and we're going to be using those. Um, I found a very interesting comp Brian Murphy and that was uh, Jordy Nelson who was also listed at about six two six three, also about two seventeen, and had a forty time in the four fives when he came out of K State in two thousand eight, and six hundred thirteen catches and seventy two touchdowns over a ten year career. Not too bad. I think Gabe Davis would be pretty happy with that. But what uh, what is what are you hearing about Gabe Davis and you know some of the strengths and weaknesses of him and where he might fit in?
1: Well, and I don't want to come out like I don't want the first thing that I'm going to say is to be bashing your article. Because I, I let's be honest. I go do ahead. Like what, what am I here I for? Do like <laughs> I, I do like what you've written, Jeffrey. However, the Jordy Nelson come to me doesn't make much sense in that. Jordy although he ran a so so 40 time was really a fantastic deep threat. He could really stretch the field uh, in his prime, he was really good at stretching the field. He was a, you know, he's a high school track star. Um so I don't see Gabe having that type of speed. He doesn't. He doesn't have that type of speed, let's be honest. Um he's more going to get open because of his size, his sort of fluidness in his routes, um his cra- you know, and he's got some speed, but not like that long speed that, that Jordy Nelson had. Uh, I don't I, I don't I don't like comps because comps are really like they're kinda of squishy. They could it depends on so many things. Not just the player makeup, but also the scheme makeup is too, too. I just see Gabe being successful because of his body and the fact that he knows really like he's got the innate traits that you already need. Maybe not the speed, but high pointing the ball, being really tough at the point of attack. When the ball is in the air, shielding off defenders really well. We've seen him use double moves, and he's he's pretty good at you know kind of um uh, not showing um his moves to to defenders. Um, he's got a lot of the fundamentals down. There are some athletic traits to his game that are missing. Like I said, deep speed is not there, but he can make up for that because he's a big guy who knows how to play with his size. And if he can just if he obviously with the fine tuning that comes with being in the NFL. He could be certainly a consistent, consistent contributor.
0: What teams do you think would probably be looking for a guy like him?
1: Didn't we mention like so? We mentioned like Green Bay on the for those of, for those of you who were uh, watching the uh, watch along with us when we did the uh, the UCF USF game. We talked about Gabe Davis, I think, on that, and uh, I, we mentioned Green Bay, and I said that Green Bay wanted somebody with more speed. But certainly they are wide receivers starved. Uh, there are tons of good wide receivers in this draft. It's a good reason why Gabe, even though he's pretty good, is probably going to fall to the fourth round because this wide this draft is absolutely chock full of good wideouts. But certainly, I think the Green Bay Packers would pop up just because they, they really need someone, and that'd be a great that'd be an awesome fit too because as I've I think I remember that the 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 Packers are Gabe's favorite team, and I think that would be that would be pretty cool.
0: Hmm. Eric Lopez, what do you think about where, you know, where you think Gabe might end up and where do you think he might go in terms of the round? Are you thinking higher or lower?
2: You know, the issue is this is such an incredible wide receiver draft, like insane, right? Maybe the deepest of all time. That's been discussed that it's hard to tell where he, he, he could go because I think we're the question is we're, really it depends on what happens in the first round. Like, when do the wide receivers start going? Do they go early first round or do teams take the approach of there's so many great receivers that we're going to wait. And all of as a result, some of the receivers that we thought would go super early might get pushed back. So be, and, and as a result, there's a rippling effect to that. And I think that mm-hmm. could affect Gabe moving forward. So uh, I, I think to me, I kind of, I feel like it's around four to five range because I just think there's so much talent at wideout, and this really is going to come down to what does the team prefer as far as a whiteout it's that good like you have options like there's the kid that I love a lot Claypool from Notre Dame who I think is, is, is like people are saying second or third round and I think in a normal year he might be a first rounder um, so I think Gabe uh, that to me that's a, a round four to five and it could come down to you know I think Green Bay it makes sense assuming they don't go receiver early some teams might go multiple how about Minnesota uh could be a team I mean it just that's a, really it's at that point it's like who who fits in um but i, I if i had to kind of put a number on it i would say round 4 uh hopefully if the receivers go early in the first round i could see round 4 would be the number i would go i think it's around later than Traquan because it's a deeper draft i think if it Otherwise, I think he would probably be going where Traquan did in round three. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, yeah I, see, I, I see that certainly happening. I, I, you must have been looking at our lads because they had him as the number 19 receiver. And you kind of see Gabe somewhere around that like 17 to 20 mark when you rank the receivers. Um, they have him going around rounds four or five. You're right about the, the receivers that are coming out, though. I mean, obviously, the two guys from Alabama, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. CD Lamb out of Oklahoma, Denzel Mims of Baylor, Justin Jefferson of LSU, your guy Claypool out of Notre Dame, T Higgins from Clemson, who's been all over the place, Michael Pittman Jr. out of SC. Um, you know, even when you start getting down to the area where Gabe is ranked, you got Van Jefferson, who's the son of Sean Jefferson, formerly of UCF, um, and uh, currently an assistant coach with the New York Jets. Uh, and uh, James Prochet, who we've seen enough of out of SMU, he's somewhere in that neighborhood. So, um, yeah, a, a pretty packed draft for wide receivers. And, you know, and, and you know, but we should see Gabe go. Yeah, we probably would see him go in day two, but I think more like we'll see him go early day three. So um, now the other guy who I think might get drafted, well, relatively high. I say relatively high because it's... Um, it, it, because again everything you know right now everything is is fairly relevant there's no surefire first rounders for UCF really this year but Navel Clark uh prototypical NFL cover corner right Murphy you think you, you've done you've spent plenty of time with Navel uh over the years uh as he's come to UCF and and really developed into a very good cornerback the classic ball hot guy he's got the size at 6'1 187 um his he didn't run the forty at the combine when he went to the NFL combine, but um, you know his his uh, he has he does have a tendency to gamble at times. But Lord knows we've heard that about a number of other guys. What do you, what's the report on Nivelle and where would you think he would go?
1: Yeah, he's a guy who you know. Okay, for him, obviously it's going to be probably seventh round or undrafted. We hope he gets there in the seventh round on Saturday. It's all going to be, be about fit for him really specifically because he does press man and really man coverage really well. And because that's what UCF's defense, that's what they play primarily, um, you know, it would be difficult for him, I think, to learn like a, 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 a defense with a chief zone scheme. Um, so hopefully he gets, you know, uh, to a team that with a, with a, that relies more on, on man. And if you look, you know, at like last year's stats, you got teams like the Chiefs and, Patriots, Lions. who played a lot of man coverage um, in those, in that, in that scheme because he's really long at six foot one, really rangy. Um, he can he, he jams guys really well at at, at the line of scrimmage. Um, and although he doesn't have he doesn't have great backpedal speed, he doesn't have really fluid hips. He doesn't have great deep speed to sort of make up ground once he does gamble and sort of miss if he tries to undercut routes he is so long and so and so much of an athlete with his size that he can just sort of shadow guys and if he keeps them in front of him and keeps them in front of him he can he can shut you down on um, the 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 issue with Devel is you know obviously he needs to just sort of play his game and not not try to do too much that's what we saw him do a lot with UCF was he would gamble too much and he would try to make the big play And then all of a sudden it would be, you know, he would miss it. It would be left open for a um, a blown coverage and a a big play for the opponent on the back end. Um, When he just sort of stays steady and just sort of trusts his natural skill, he's a really good corner. Um, But I think because he's in a really specific, he's like really scheme specific. He is mostly a man-on-man corner uh, with good like short area coverage skills. You really don't want to get him matched up going one-on-one down the sideline with a burner because he's probably not going to win that race.
0: Eric, what do you think about the corner situation out there? Where do you, where do you see Neville kind of fitting in? Or Neville, I should say.
2: Well, I think Brian makes – I mean, a lot of this could come down to the scheme, right? Like what team thinks they could fit him in a scheme? And, and I wonder both of you – and this is the interesting thing. Does the uniqueness of this year's draft where there was no UCF Pro Day. There was no in-person talks and things like that. Does that have an effect on guys like Clark and others on the back end of the draft?
0: I think it might throw the, the back end of the draft into a little bit more chaos than usual. You might see some guys go way higher or way lower than you might think because there's – it. it I guess one of the good things about this, or at least maybe maybe some more interesting thing about this, is it's going to provide us more insight into how certain franchises think, because there's no groupthink, or at least there's significantly less groupthink, I think, this year than, um, than there normally has been, and teams are kind of doing a lot of their own research. I think sometimes the guys in the front office, they think a lot about, um, you know, what is... It, 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 I'm not saying that they're governed by it, but I do think that the, that uh, the press has a little bit of influence on things um, in terms of what they, they they'll deny it, of course. But I but I find that I find it hard to believe they don't because some general managers really do care about that. Um, but yeah, I I think it'll make for something really interesting. Like I would not be surprised to see Neville Clark get picked, you know, uh, you know maybe as high as the fifth round by some team that really really likes him. Uh, or maybe not get selected at all for that reason. You could say that about several other players for UCF, including some of the guys we'll talk about in a little bit. I don't know, Murph, what do you think?
1: No, I think that's right. I, I think you know. I, I think the, the impact really would fall more on players we're going to talk about here shortly, more so than Novell. I do feel confident that Novell with his 6'1 size, because, man, big corners are you know, obviously in vogue, that he's going to get drafted. I think no matter what, he's still going to get drafted. It certainly helped that he was at the Combine. Um, So he got to talk to, uh, you know, a lot of team officials there. And, you know, for what it's worth, uh, today, earlier Wednesday, we spoke with um, Willie Martinez, the assistant coach and defensive backs coach for UCF. And uh, I asked him about uh, Novell, and he mentioned how, you know, he's heard from both Novell – and from some some NFL personnel that Novell's done really well in interviews, and he's really he's really had some good interviews when he has been you know maybe on the board or man you know uh, you know face to face with NFL uh, personnel. So that's that that helps his cause. What really hurts are the players that we're going to talk about now. And I would say just to sort of you know uh, like a segue here, I would say it hurts Adrian like Adrian Killins more.
0: Okay, I tell you what, let's let's do this. Let's take a quick break. When we return. We'll talk about some of the guys who might who are kind of on that that gradient between getting drafted and not getting drafted, including Adrian Killens and a few others. Stick around, will be right back. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here. We're talking NFL Draft. We talked about two guys who we think are probably most likely to actually hear their names called this coming weekend. Uh uh, uh Clark and uh, Gabe Davis. Now we're going to talk about. Um, some guys who are kind of on the borderline of whether or not they're going to get drafted. And we're going to start with a guy who I've mentioned in my profile of him on the site. is one of the most, I think, one of the most important players in certainly recent UCF history, maybe of all time, Adrian Killens. Um, four years at UCF, came in, as, came in and contributed mightily as a true freshman. Um, we know about the speed. We know about the size or lack thereof. Uh, it, it depends on where you look. He's either a very late round pick. Our lads has him six or seven round, six or seven. Um, had a really good Shrine Bowl, by the way. He uh, it, so, sort of uh, flashed his wares as a pass receiver. Uh, Ninety-two yards on seven on uh, seven catches, uh, and kind of you know. And that's the kind of guy who I feel like he's going to have to be at the next level. I made the my best case comparison was. Was Tyreek Hill and Murph. I know you're probably going to rip that here in a second, but um, you you know, but he, you know, I can see that best case scenario playing out as he's like, as he turns into this real speedster that you kind of get the ball to on the outside or you run jet sweeps with and all that kind of stuff in a sort of Andy Reid, you know, Frank Reich style offense, Um, but. Let's talk about whether or not you feel he's going to get drafted or not. Do you agree with that? Like he might be a late rounder, or is he? Or would he? Or would Adrian rather field free agent phone calls?
1: Uh, that's a good. Well, that that's a that's a different topic. I mean, maybe he would like to have the opportunity to go where he you know a, a place of his choosing, but there are certainly a, a certainly a better chance that he gets drafted now than say if he was coming out you know seven years ago, seven and ten years ago, because. Guys like him are now populating the NFL ranks, and you know this is obviously not just the the Tavon Austin. I know people look at Tavon Austin as like, well, he was this massive first round bust. Like, yeah, he was, but he he's still playing. If I'm, I mean, he's still he's like he's he's had a long NFL career, made himself a Ty- lot of money. <laughs> yeah, obviously Tyree Kill is a special case. Uh, I I don't like the cop there only because Tyree Kill is a real route runner with wheel with real wide receiver skill that we have not seen from AK, who mostly lines up in the slot and, and runs very simple patterns. And uh, so for me with AK, I- I've always I've said recently that he's sort of like a, a poor man's Tariq three- Cohen to me, um, a guy who can obviously be a, a total weapon on special teams, but you know, if you get him in space as a as a a receiver or as a, a toss runner, he can he can do dynamite things. He's not as quite laterally quick, I think, as Tariq Cohen, but he obviously has the this, this straight-line vertical speed. What I want to see from him more the next level is he's got to continue to improve as a receiver. We saw that a little bit um, in this last season uh, or the last couple seasons. Uh, actually, not that much. He only had eight, he only had eight catches last year. Wow. Um, but he's got to do more Doesn't even seem right. <laughs> I, I mean, that makes no sense. Get 25 in 2017 and 18 and 20 and 19 and 2018, and he's got to do more of that because that's where he's going to make the most of his impact on offense in the NFL. We we you know UCF fans got really tired of of watching him rub the middle in uh in in Josh Heupel's scheme. Well, I guarantee you he's not going to be used like that in the NFL. He just will not be at five foot eight about 165 pounds. He just that's not going to happen. He needs to become a better receiver. He needs to learn how to run the full route tree. He needs to learn that really a lot, and that's going to probably keep him off the field and probably minimize his role on offense, uh, you know, for for a while. And he may maybe, maybe he maybe he'll only be a special a special teams only guy for the early part of his career. Um, but for him to stick around the NFL, he really needs to become a full time receiver. Yeah,
0: uh, Elo, he's this feels like it, it, the NFL right now feels like like Murph was saying. If there's a time for a five eight hundred pounds you know, ball handler, it's now for a guy like Adrian Killens. So I don't know. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, this, again, this is such a unique draft. So, like, if you're a free agent on normal circumstances, yeah, that would fit better. You can fit it. But we don't know how that's going to work. Remember, not like you can just meet up with the team or the players right away. So... Uh, it's kind of unique, right? Like, I don't know how long, I'm curious to see how the NFL teams will handle the non-drafted players and how they sign them during this process. It's one of the many fascinating plot lines in the coming days and weeks with this draft and beyond. A part of me wonders if his future really is in Canadian football, which is a bigger field, 110 yards, that might suit him better. We've had a lot of success with UCF guys in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Joe Burnett comes to mind, for example, had success in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Will, I think, uh, 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 I'm drawing a blank right now. Keith Shaligan, obviously in a lineman situation, but Brandon Alexander, defensive back. So, and I think we got to keep that in mind too. We always focus on the NFL, NFL, which is obviously the ultimate goal. But I wonder if, you know, some of these guys, their future in pro football might be somewhere like the Canadian Football League. And I wonder if that's really uh, Killings' future, unless, to Murph's point, does a team see in him a guy they can work with maybe start on the practice squad and develop him into a weapon either on special teams or maybe as a receiver
0: I just feel like he's the kind of guy that some general manager is going to get obsessed with or some head coach and be like I need to have this guy because I want to have a ter- you know I need my own Tariq Cohen slash you know Percy Harvin slash you know, like they can see that guy right and he's that kind of guy and they want to work with that speed right I, it, it just it, – it, it's – his speed is just too – I feel like it's too good for everyone to pass up,
1: right? No, I, Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you take a chance on that because he could be – if he develops, right, he could be a dynamite big play threat. Absolutely, if he develops. So, yeah, you would take a chance on that. The, and we're. I don't think anybody's disputing that. We know he's going to get a shot at the NFL level, he's going to. The 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 question there is, is it going to be as a seventh-round pick or is it going to be as an undirected free agent? The, the, that's not the issue. The issue is how does he develop from there? How does he expand his game and improve his game from there?
0: Yeah.
2: yeah well, and, and by the way, I'll give you a comparison to him, and it's because they're were they were in the same system. Kenyon Barner,
0: who's mm-hmm. at Oregon, 5'9", yeah.
2: 190, fast, uh, you know, Kenyon's
0: he, pretty he, he, much pretty much bigger than him although Kenyon did put some weight on too which I think that Adrian is gonna, obviously going to have to do
2: right but now he he got drafted by the Carolina Panthers in the 2013 draft in the 6th round and he kind of hung around uh, one of the things I think Barner did he, you know he kind of hung around in the league uh, can, can, can maybe Killings kind of fits that role where he kind of hangs around maybe fits a, maybe he's a third string back I mean Philadelphia is probably an interesting example they have a ton of young, young backs that they used to so, to your point I think Merv made a great point I think in today's football where teams like to use two and three backs uh might give him a better shot but I do think he's gonna have to maybe adapt to certain things maybe you know is he willing to play special teams and not just return wise could he be a guy that can be developed into a guy that helps on special teams in coverage uh mm-hmm. and things like that. that who knows right a lot depends on who gets drafted but As we get later in these drafts, if you're a player, you almost have to be very willing to be adaptive to whatever the team wants you to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's I don't. One of the things that he is though is quite adaptive, and and you're right. I think now we're starting to get to the point where we're seeing where we're going to start seeing some guys who are like, yeah, maybe maybe they would be better off, you know, waiting to see you know what the free agent market looks like, and they can, like you said, Murph, choose where they want to go. One guy who I'm really intrigued by here as we move on to our next guy is Jordan Johnson. Um, we, we know how great of an interview he is. We love Jordan. We, we are the, um, you know, like we are, we are stands for, for JJ. There's just no doubt about that. Um, his experience on the field speaks for itself. Um, you know, started at guard uh, as a freshman in 2016, moved over to center in 2017. Remember we had question marks about that? <laughs> Boy, that was answered in it. That was answered in a hurry. He started all thirty nine games his last three seasons. All uh, American Athletic Conference first team t- first teamer twice. Um, you know, in this in this scheme, you know, it, this is the part that I, I think. So now he he had a virtual pro day where um, <clears throat> he ran the forty and four point two five. You know, twenty one bench press and all that, but you know. UCF is, didn't get to where they were the last few years without being a good run blocking team. We know how good of a run blocker he is. I think the question for JJ, believe it or not, is, uh, is size. It's 6'2, 302. Um, but uh, in addition to that, I, I feel like, are, are there any, Murph, are there any scouts or GMs out there who are like, yeah, but he's a shotgun center? You know what I mean? Is that still a thing?
1: Uh, I don't think so, because uh, you look at JJ. He works really well at he, he he does something really he could work really well in a system that some NFL offenses love to love to run. That's the zone option, uh, not the zone option, but your zone, your basically your zone running schemes. Like yeah. your um, you know, th- those like because he can pull. He's he's extremely athletic and very quick for his size. Uh, he he gets to the second level really easily, uh, and because he can pull really easily. Those zone schemes that NFL teams like to like to use, those those one cut schemes, he can he can be really proficient in that um, as a blocker. And so I think for JJ, he has a role in the NFL, um, but certainly it's got to be with it's gonna have to depend on fit absolutely because he's very specific in what he would do really well for you. Uh, and then he, as you said, Jeff, needs to get stronger. He needs to get maybe not bigger, but he needs to get weightier. And just just make sure that he can withstand you know nose tackles at the NFL level, yeah. um, which is just something that yeah, obviously he's not seeing at this kind of at, at UCF. So I think from that standpoint, that's my that's my biggest concern is that is JJ strong enough? Uh, does he have the ability to last at center and, and take that physical pounding that he's going to take? Um, because if he can if he can add muscle, add weight while keeping his nimble feet. Um, and, and we know he's going to stay in good shape because of his, his vegan lifestyle. Like he, we know he's always going to be, you know, he's not, he's never going, he's never going to be a guy who's going to get out of shape per se. Mm-hmm. But he needs to add to that muscle and then maintain his ability to move. And if he does that, then yeah, I could see him lasting. What do you think, ELO?
2: Go ahead. <sighs> the question, though, there, Murph. The qu- I mean, a lot of that doesn't really translate into a draft pick necessarily right they, i mean that no, might I, be, he yeah. might be a I, I free agent I, I, that's going to have to work think, his way in
1: right so i don't think i'm talking about I, I don't see him being so like from this point on i don't think we're talking about guys who would be drafted so i'm not i'm not i'm not really uh i'm not really approaching that topic i'm just talking about really his skill set i do not think he would be drafted
2: yeah he's going to latch on and and linemen are usually guys that could, are easier to latch on in and finding the right situation there uh, but I think everything Murph brought up is, is is pretty accurate. Interestingly, if you look at guys that are going to get drafted out of the center position, a guy that, if you followed obviously you've, have watched the UCF games, a guy you might know about is Matt Hennessy, who's a kid from Temple, who's uh, going to be drafted here, maybe pretty high depending on where, how this goes. But uh, among other, but it's a tough position to crack, and I think everything Murph said is accurate. And but I think you know again. Uh, I think he'll try to latch on to an NFL team And then, you know, can he build it You know, work uh, All the questions Murph uh, brought up Can he figure that all out? If not, again Canadian Football League is a possibility for him I think he can play He can play He's going to play pro football We just got to see if it's going to be the NFL Hopefully it works out for him there And if not I I could see him in the CFL I would be surprised Unless unless it was his own choosing That he's not playing football somewhere In the the coming years
0: Yeah No, I, I obviously we're all rooting for all these guys you know and i'll i'll openly admit that you know because you know we've come to know them over the last 4 years and it's been it's been 4 or 5 years really it's been an interesting ride but you know jj i'd love to see him get a shot because you know all these guys deserve a shot every one of these guys deserves a shot uh and he deserves it just as much as any just as much as any of them um as does the next guy i want to talk about which is Nate Evans um, Pretty good linebacker, uh, uh, linebacker pedigree that he's coming from at UCF over the past few years. Uh, he was a tackle machine this past year. A um, hundred and uh, it was 117 tackles. Um, we know about his, you know, his tendency to find the ball. Um, I, you know, I love the fact that I was able to use the word "motor" in his uh, scouting report. Finally, I was able to use that with somebody. Um, because of because you know when you're on the field as much as UCF's defense is you know an average of 78 plays per game the defense is on the field over the last two seasons for him to maintain the energy level that he did it shows you the kind of athlete that he is and plus his leadership I mean it's you know he was a no BS kind of guy and you know was well respected by his teammates and coaches his name team captain um, but the I think the other issue is uh, again. You know, is he undersized? Even at 240 pounds, he's six one, Murph. Um, yeah. You know, or you know, it, it's he's just the classic tweener, isn't
1: he? It's is he not
0: fast enough or not big enough?
1: Right. And well, the the answer there, as far as size or speed, might be both. He's got he's got girth, he's got muscle, but six one. Again, he's not the size you would like out of a linebacker, and then I don't know if he has enough quickness at that position either to keep up. What what Nate's what Nate has going for him, uh, kind of as you alluded to, Jeffrey, is just his overall want and and, uh, and his desire uh, that 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 sort of just kind of just comes off of him so easily. He's a natural leader. He's a guy you want in the foxhole. Uh, he's a guy you want in your locker room, getting everybody together. And because he is that kind of person, he's going to be driven to succeed somehow. He's going to, you know, he's going to do everything possible to make it in the NFL or in pro football because that's just that's just his 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 makeup is exceptional. Uh, but when we talk about tangible stuff and his physical, you know, his physical stuff, he does have quite a few shortcomings. And then yeah, he probably is a, a, a tweener, and so I don't really know if he really fits anywhere. But he's going to obviously give it his best shot because he doesn't know any other way but go.
0: Eric, I, I look at him and I started having flashbacks. Like, is he a replay of uh, another guy who we really who we really enjoyed in his time here at UCF at the same position, Terrence Plummer? Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I love Plummer. Uh, Plummer I love T. Plum too. I, you know, and he's kind of bounced around. Had some good – won a great cup, I think, in the CFL. Well,
2: Plumbers has a cup of coffee in the NFL, right, with the Redskins and things like that. Uh, And that's not a bad comp. I mean, I think Nate Evans – you know, it's everything that Merv described. Doesn't that sound like a Bill Belichick type of pick, type of player right there? Like Bill just sneaks him up there. But he's like, what the heck? And then next thing you know – because he's a linebacker, Um, you know. Bill's not one that's like, oh, you got to be a four-two linebacker guy. I mean, look at the linebackers he's had in New England. Like, it's Teddy. Teddy Bruschi was not, you know, the biggest guy was not the fastest guy, but he was smart. Well, I think in fairness, Teddy
0: Bruschi was also a first-round pick. But anyway, <laughs> uh,
2: right, 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 right. He was super talented. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't talented, but I'm saying it's not like it, it, Teddy Bruschi was just a great player and at and, and, and college and certainly with a high-level, a P5 school. But what I'm saying is, Bill has had guys, Jamie Collins, who he took from Southern Miss. Uh, and things like that. I, I mean, I'm just using Belichick in New England. I just wonder if there's a team out there, maybe not draft him necessarily, but I could see a, he could be a guy that gets snatched pretty quick free agency wise because, hey, this is a guy that will be willing to do anything play special teams, play linebacker, do what he i I think he's got a spot somewhere in the NFL, and I wonder there's a team because they didn't have pro day, because they didn't do the combine. What if they actually do this crazy thing that's called watch game tape and are impressed <laughs> by him? I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Just just hear me out. But if you watch him on the tape and making plays, uh, that has to count for something. You no, know? maybe a team says, you know what? This guy's actually making plays. I, He doesn't look like the fastest, but somehow he figures out a way to make plays. So, you know, I, I you know. I, I wonder Probably not Maybe the, art and the counter argument is No they're going to be scared off Because they haven't had a chance Oh well You know But I could see a smart organization A New England type A San Francisco Somebody who needs a linebacker late Either in the 7th round 6th, 7th round And just take him And you're like What the heck Because I think there's going to be A what the heck draft picks As this goes on And, there, and I think uh, Maybe he fits in that And surprises us all Or if not uh, lands one of those spots As a free agent
1: and, I th- and Eric, just with his well, – again, with his with his makeup and his, his ability as a natural leader, even if you yep. don't see him as being a guy who you're going to have on your two-deep at linebacker, maybe he's a guy who's really just a special teamer taking yep. up the last spot on your active roster. He's a yep. guy you want in your locker room. He's a guy that when things get rough, can really help pull guys together. And that, that is a, a trait and a skill set in itself that he can use to his advantage.
2: That could be, again, a Bill Belichick-type guy. Uh, You know, he had Larry Izzo for many years. There was a linebacker who was a special teams guy. Only Bill takes a lot of those things into equation, not just him, but I just bring him up as an example uh, where I think he could be a fit there. He could be a fit there because I don't think Bill is thinking, hey, what's his 40 time? What's his, you know? I think Bill looks for a lot of intangible stuff, and I think that's why they've been so successful in this dynasty run. They don't grab necessarily the most talented guys. They fit guys that fit they're 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 what they, they the patriot way as that's been called and I think there's other teams that have similar uh, deals that might fit I, I really do I you know of all these guys obviously Gabe's the most talent that I think we all agree on that and things like that I I really am I I just I really think if I if you ask me of all these guys that you know might surprise and get drafted or might be really have a good career even if they don't get drafted if I had to pick one I think it's him
0: yeah I I, w- I would not be surprised if he's one of those guys who did get um, who did get selected? And, and like you said, Eric was kind of like, whoa, we didn't see that one coming. Um, he's yep. already shown up on the radar uh, uh, for at least one team. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have shown some interest in him. That's according to our SB Nation counterparts at Cincy Jungle. So, um, to what extent? Wouldn't, to that, what extent, be something?
2: wouldn't that be something? To what he ext- goes to the He Bibles goes to Joe Burrow.
0: A- yeah, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> The only thing hey, Murph, funnier would
2: just, be... That's a story idea right yeah. there. That's got the Aubrey Dawkins-Zion Williamson storyline uh, right there.
0: The only, the only thing you, funnier than that would have been if Joey Connors went to the Bengals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, uh, you could uh, ha- have them watch that clip again and then say, so Nate, when, what were you yelling at Joe Burrow here on the ground right here? What were you yelling at him right there?
0: <laughs> He's probably yelling, Miles Jack was not down.
1: That's, what, that's probably it. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Bad joke.
0: What is that? A uh, couple more guys I want to talk about. Brendan Hayes. Uh, pass rusher this past year. Um, All-American uh, Athletic Conference. Second team twice. Never recorded more than seven and a half sacks as a senior and 11, 11 tackles for loss as a uh, junior. Big kid, right? 6'3", 293. Uh, ran the 40 and 478 at on his uh, online pro day that he had um, you know I mean yeah the size is going for him uh, there's a good, great story in USA Today about you know what guys like him are doing in order to get the attention of pro teams it says uh, Jory Epstein uh, from USA Today says he rented a U-Haul, packed up his clothes his bed and his mini fridge and drove 10 hours across four states for his pro day quote In life, really, you don't take if you don't take initiative, nothing's going to happen. The UCF football defensive end said, "If I don't, then who will?" Um, And you know, maybe teams might like that. But uh, even as a pass rusher, though, he never took like there was no Brendan Hayes game, you know, where he completely took over. He only had one multi-sack game in his entire career, but. Maybe somebody has, uh, can can do something with him. I've, and when you're talking about D lineman, it all depends on scheme. Do you run a four three as opposed to a three four? You know, and does he does he stay outside? Do you, does he bulk up and move inside? There's a lot of things you can do with a guy like Brendan Hayes uh, Murph. But do are we going to see somebody do it? That's the question.
1: Yeah, I would I would like to see him bulk up and move inside, just because I don't think he has that edge quickness that you want from, you know, that sort of the guy who plays the defensive end spot. He just, he has size. He has, he has the, the the reach and the length, but I, I, I just doesn't have the foot speed and, and sort of the hip fluidity to really, you know, dip and drive and get to the quarterback. So I'd like to see him That's your second well. fluid
0: hips reference of the entire podcast, by the way. I like the, I like it really? to know
1: that Yes. Are we, are we taking shots for your fluid reference no 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 um, we are now <laughs> uh, we well. uh it's it's quarantine we might as well be, I, I should have, i should i should taken i should have taken shots before the podcast um but i i think look that work ethic means something uh, also a guy a kid who's who's finishing his master's degree this month as well um and, and i i do hope that the 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 level of want, kind of like I talked about with Nate Evans, but in a different way. You see Brandon Hayes, you know, really chasing after his dream job right here by doing whatever possible, you know, driving 10 hours across states in this country to to get a look, to get a sniff at the opportunity of a possibility that maybe he might get a job somewhere. Um, it's and so I hope that works out for him. Um, but there would be a lot of questions to be answered both from him physically and scheme wise as to where and how he sort of translates to that level.
0: Elo, what do you think? It's so crowded and you know in uh, when up front and it's just such a it's just yeah, such a, a hard position to gauge, isn't it?
2: It is, especially in these in this condition. Like I wonder, let me ask you both this, could he have benefited if there was a UCF pro day? Because maybe he stands out more at a pro day than he would on a game tape, for example, right? And then some of those questions that you brought up, Murph, could have been answered at a pro day. And maybe maybe a scout looks like, whoa, wh- where did this guy come from type of thing. Like, what, what's the story with this guy? Maybe he stands yeah. out more, whereas with, I think in this situation, I think he gets kind of lost in the shuffle. And I do think pro day, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll share this quick story, and then, Murph, I'll let you kind of react to that. But I remember the Blake Bortles pro day. I was there. For the Blake Bortles pro day. And Gus Bradley was there was the time Was the Jaguars head coach. And Blake went through his deal. He was really good. Tom McShay. Everybody was good. The first guy that reached out to Blake Bortles was Gus Bradley. Gave him a hug and everything. Everybody's like, oh no, well, that's adorable. And I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, you know, that's an interesting sign. I think that tells me Jacksonville likes it. like, No, oh, you're over you're re- you're you're reading way too much into that. Because I think at the time some people thought, well, maybe Bill O'Brien and Houston would take him because of the George O'Leary connection. Uh, But it turns out, yes, Jacksonville did take him, and afterwards, Bortles kind of won Gus Bradley and the Jaguars over with that pro day, in part. Uh, And I wonder if a Brandon Hayes could have done something similar if he was given that opportunity.
0: Well, I I think a guy like Blake Bortles, like, he kind of already came in with some buzz around him. Now, enough buzz to get him into, like, the top five at the time? I don't know. But, um, But he sort of benefited from the fact that people had already heard of him. And many more people than I think Brendan at least at this point, right, Murph?
2: Sure, sure. No, right, right. I'm not saying they're the same, but I'm saying you can make an impression on pro day yeah. where a team remembers that.
0: And and he did I think- have a, Brendan did post his uh, his uh, virtual pro day, and I actually have the video up on his uh, profile on uh, on Black and Old I mean, he ran a four eight eight forty the first time, four seven eight the second time. Um, you know, his measurables came out. I mean, it's it's just the question is what makes him stand out to somebody, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting you brought up the Blake Bortles and, and Gus Bradley connection. How about last year, last April, uh, Tristan Hill was really the guy to watch for UCF prospects at, at UCF. Yeah. And who's running the defensive line drills inside the Nicholson Fieldhouse? Hey, it's Rod Marinelli. The, yeah. the Cowboys, line, and defensive coordinator, and who ends up taking Tristan Hill in the second round? Rod uh, Marinelli and that, in the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. Uh, it was. It was a lot to do with Marinelli uh, at wanting to go with Tristan on that pick. Uh, I will say this about pro days and combines that I've said numerous times on the show already, and I'll just restate it here quickly. The on field stuff is completely overrated, and especially doesn't matter in pro days where it's so sanitized and formatted to something that does not replicate actual football. That I don't care about what their measurements were, how high they jumped, how fast they ran. I do not care. Because you get a better sense of that player's physical skill set from watching game tape than you ever will than seeing them run in under armor gear where the where the the pro days matter and where this quarantine and where this pandemic and the state the NFL is in where hurt these kind of prospects is just the inability to talk to a lot of guys face to face. And I know we can still do video conferencing, but even, you know, even talking to Willie Martinez today, the UCF uh, assistant coach, he talked about how it's weird because he likes to get a read on guys in person and sort of read their body language and see how they're responding to questions and answers. And so with, with that being out of, with that being impossible, that's where these guys get hurt. It's fine. They can go into a, 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 a you know a, a little field house and run the 40 and do some lifting. That really shouldn't change a player's draft stock um, because it, it's not, that is not really football. It doesn't replicate the football experience. But it's those conversations. It's the meetings. It's the questions. It's you know can you do this well? It's getting on the board and, and asking a guy can, you know what is that you know what is this? Can you draw this up for me? And just asking and just talking to guys, getting to know them. That's why you know, the Cowboys picked, you know, Tristan Hill, not because of, you know, he, he was really good at the bag drill inside Nicholson Field. I was like, no, like, Rod Marinelli, Rod Marinelli was there. He talked with Tristan Hill a lot. They established a connection, and that led to him being picked. And because, and that, those, right. because those kinds of meetings are not possible anymore, yes, it, that, that is what really hurts the guys. Not the ability to work out for them, but the inability to talk to them, especially face-to-face, and have that real human contact.
0: You know what it reminds me of? It, that, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Eric. No, no, I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was no, gonna I'll, say I'll, it reminds me a lot of uh of like college admissions, right? Where the pro days and the combine, that's like the SAT or the A C T. Like it can only kind of rule you out in a way. What really gets you into college is your is your you know, the classes you took and the grades you got in high school, right? And that's that's the equivalent of your film, obviously.
1: And your, your person your personal statement really, yeah, your story.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's the equivalent of the interview. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of how I, I view it, you know, and you're absolutely right about that. Like it's, it's, it's like, you know, Brendan Hayes is, uh, and other guys are, are trying to, it's basically they're taking their SAT at the last minute because that's what they have to do. But hopefully teams won't decide on that so much because, you know, it's, you never know what happens on that kind of a day too. There's too many variables. Go ahead, Eric. I'm so sorry.
2: No, no, no. I mean, that's fair, too. And I, I kind of, it's kind of like college recruiting in a way, right? Like, and I think Murph's example is even better than mine with the Bortles, because you're right, Bortles was going to get drafted high anyway. I think maybe the difference was there that Gus maybe said, hey, this is the guy we should get for a quarterback. But I think the Marinelli example is even better, right? Because think about it Jerry Jones ain't watching Tristan Hill tapes, right? He ain't watching DCF <laughs> tape. He ain't doing that. He – Get out of here. But Rod, I guarantee you what happened was Rod Marinelli. Was sold on him, right? Like to Murph's point, he talked to him, he saw him up close in person, and you get and you kind of get get attached. And I guarantee you, Rod Marinelli went back to the Cowboys and the scowled, and all the people and said, "Hey, this guy. I'm telling you, we got to take this guy." And I think that's sometimes how you find diamonds in the rough. It's not because necessarily you watch game tapes. You know, I think the first few rounds, you don't need a pro day. Uh, you you for the most part, you could figure that out pretty quickly. The top talent. But these diamond on the rough guys that, you know, you're like, why is people like not looking at this guy? And then you kind of see him on pro day and then you talk to him and then you kind of like, you know what? I have a good feeling about this guy. I think we should give him a stronger look. And now all of a sudden everybody else is like, okay, well, let's let's look into this. Now you're bringing attention. I think it's kind of like college recruiting. Right. You know this uh, story. Well, Jeff, because you worked at UCF, wasn't Bortles the reason he came to UCF? Because Charlie Taft just happened to see him. And it's like. Hey, this guy did pretty good. He could be a tight end. might be a quarterback. Hey, we should yeah. give this guy a look. It wasn't like he was at the forefront of their looking, at, but uh, Charlie liked him. And now all of a sudden now, the rest of the UCF staff, I'm like, well, if you like, let's look into this more and they got him, right? Isn't
0: that yeah. how that happened? Exactly. In a way, it's kind of like it's not what you know so much as it's it's sometimes who you know or who gets to know you. And uh, and that kind of segues us to the last guy we're going to look at, who is uh, Jake Brown, Um for UCF, Murph, you got to know Jake Brown really well, and did a story on him, which you can find on the site, which we'll link to in his profile. Um, the expectation, I mean, here is a guy who left football and came back. Uh, you know, has you know has ex- expressed interest in rugby, um, but uh, was a team captain. You know, last year, as well, on by his teammates. Um, finished his last two seasons first team all-conference um you know another another excellent college football offensive lineman out of UCF but what's the what is the NFL potential for him or is he is he a guy
1: yeah it's interesting because reading up on him it seems like the the read is that he would have to move inside to guard uh and I, again I from from that standpoint I just don't know where where and how he fits I just do not know and I'm not going to try to fake it as if I know exactly how he's gonna succeed at that level. All I can tell you is that yes, he's had a lot of experience at a high a high level program playing against against high level competition. Um and just from knowing Jake personally, you know, it's a good story of a guy who uh you know, he like I said, after the twenty seventeen season when you said went undefeated, he left the team that spring and and didn't really want to get into it. But there was a family issue that he had to address back home in, in, in uh California. He grew up uh, in Southern California, and and came out to UCF because he just wanted to get away from that that space and sort of uh, learn a just a, a different part of the country, different part of, of really a different culture. Um, but he had to leave in 2018 and really didn't know if he would be back. And that got taken care of. And then once he once he came back uh, and and was committed to rejoining the team for the 2018 season. Leading into that, he got appendicitis, uh, and that was an ordeal in itself. So. I, I, you know this guy's fought through a lot of things in his college career. Still came out, like you said, Jeffrey, to be a team leader, a a a, a, a really a a, a a safe guy, um, a guy you could depend upon at, at the tackle spot. I do not know how that translates, really, especially if they want to move him inside, kick him inside. I don't know how that. I don't know how he'll adjust to that. But he has adjusted to a lot of things off the field already. Where if he had to move inside. That would be that would be you know that would be nothing compared to what he's already overcome.
0: He strikes me as one of those guys who's like just not starstruck by anybody. He's like, man, I've seen it all, you know. And that yeah. can and that can go that can go one way or it can go another. Like it can come off to some scouts as, well, is this guy's head really in it? Or it could come off to some guys, as, you know, what this guy's this guy's got a good head on his shoulders. I we of course know it's the latter, but. Um, yeah, again, it's it's a it's a who you know business. What do you think, Eric?
2: He's a guy that probably would have benefited if there was a second season of the XFL or a second or third, whatever you want to use, from the app from the from the alliance standpoint, from the standpoint that he could have played there. I think he would have gotten to play there and could have proven himself, right? And and now all of a sudden, that's extra tape, you know, because clearly, as a passion, for, you know, for football, he's overcome a lot of things. So he, I think. That would have given him an extra look, and then teams maybe give him a look in a year or two and say, hey, this is a different guy than he was, uh, you know, than than he was when we looked at him in the draft. Uh, Maybe that's the CFL right now. Who knows? But that's somebody that probably, uh, if there was an XFL type for a second or season that there's not, uh, that guy, he's one that could have benefited from that. So, and Because even if he doesn't get the opportunity with the NFL, at least he's playing professional football. Uh, and, you know, right now, there's no other professional football outside of the Canadian football league. There's no arena football of note. Uh, there's no XFL. There's nothing of that. And I think that's a guy like him is kind of gets kind of hurt from yeah. that standpoint.
0: Um, as we wrap up the NFL draft stuff, uh, give me the one guy uh, who each of you think is going to be um, – taken much higher than we think uh eric i'll start with you
2: oh shoot <laughs> oh um uh, much i don't know maybe nate maybe i'm gonna stick with the, i'm just gonna go on a limb here and just stick with nate evans as somebody that gets drafted maybe uh maybe gets drafted when some people didn't think he gets drafted i don't know what the perc- i don't know what the perception is like do we expect him not to get drafted and, and we'd be surprised we got drafted or i don't know but it, it, that, that would be probably the one that jumps out to me.
1: Right. I think that's my issue too as I sort of ponder this is like for most of the players that we've talked about, their draft experience and and their draft outcome is sort of binary. Whereas like it's, you know, Gabe will be a third or fourth or fifth round pick. But for the other guys, it's are they drafted or are they not drafted? It's not like they're going to be in a range of rounds. It's sort of It's either this or that and that's it. Um, So I don't know if, you know, if the premise fits. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. I just want to take your question and stomp all over it. Uh, it's okay. I'm used uh, to it. Yeah, I know. It's it's nothing. <laughs> nothing that you're not already used to from me. Uh, I would say I think Adrian Killens probably gets. Dra- I would say Adrian Killens gets drafted, which is something I don't think I've seen him mocked at a lot, or certainly forecasted or ranked as being drafted. I just see. Uh, I think his. I think his. His. Tantalizing attributes are too much for a team there in the seventh round to take a chance on. So that that is a big leap from being not drafted to being drafted. That is a big leap, even if it's you know even if he's taken with the last 15 picks of the draft.
0: Right. Well, I'm I'm hoping for, to see uh, it, to see Adrian Killens get drafted. I, I would love to see that just for him. Um, and, for his, and 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 just to see what he could do on the next level, I think, would just be too tantalizing to pass up. So the NFL draft uh, starts, of course, Thursday night, April 23rd, uh, with the first round Thursday at 8 p.m. You can watch it uh, on ESPN, oh, yeah. or excuse me, live to be ABC, <laughs> ESPN, and NFL Network. Uh, the second and third <laughs> rounds are Friday at 7, uh, also on ABC, ESPN, and NFL Network. And finally, the uh, rounds four through seven Saturday, beginning at noon. Saturday at noon. And by the way, wait,
2: wait, NFL, please, if you want to expand it to further days, we're okay with that this year. Please, don't you don't have to. Let's do go run- back. Hey,
0: let's go back to the old draft, and just for the heck of it, let's ha- let's make it a twelve-round draft. I mean, they like might they as the day, well,
1: right? They might as well. The 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 aff is dead. The XFL is dead. We've got more players looking for jobs. Let's go. Let's go twelve right. rounds. Oh stretch it out.
2: Stretch it out. Stretch it so out.
1: They'll, they'll squeeze it. They'll they'll go like rounds four through seven on Saturday, rounds eight through twelve on Sunday. Give a three minute clock. It's really easy, and that leads right into our next episode of The Last Dance.
2: There you go. So Perfect. Let's, let's stretch it out a week. We what's you know we got nothing else to do. Let's stretch this sucker. One round out a night. Week.
0: One round a night, Absolutely.
2: Eric. Let's do it, man. What else we got to do? And then I, you know let's. I'm all for it. And you know let's let's. I, I, I'm all for it right now And stretching programming I think the last dance should be going longer than 10 parts I say we expand it I want to know <laughs> oh, about boy. the baby bulls I want to know about Michael and the Whiz. I mean just do whatever you want to do I mean let's you know, what else we got to do I mean granted I know that everybody's circled under date May 5th the big opening regular season of the Korean Baseball League I understand that but I feel we have room
0: I want an it's entire really episode of, of, of the last dance dedicated to Judd Bushler that's what I want
1: yeah, it's really difficult to have a sequel to the last Dance when your episode when you when your thing is called the Last Dance. Right. like still can we can't do a be-
2: prequel Can we do a prequel? that's what movies do, Murph. We can do a the
1: prequel
0: the, are you talking about the story of the Chicago Bulls with their star guard Jerry Sloan? Is that what you're talking about?
2: No, we could do like the first dance, the '91 through Bulls through '93. Would Michael ever win a title? There you go. There's a prequel. Star Wars has been successful doing prequels. I mean, come on.
1: Star. You can go through Michael Jordan's baseball career and call it the the penultimate the penultimate dance.
0: Wait, we already did that one, didn't we? Jordan rides the bus. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that was a good one. Uh, that. that was a good one. But We'd I know.
2: I just want to expand it to the point where we get. I just want footage of Michael Jordan sitting. At What was formerly the UCF arena it is now the additional edition arena, whatever it's called now. Uh, I want the footage of him in the building upstairs watching Marcus play. That's all I want. Expand it to that point. However, whatever it takes, sneak it in there.
1: That's we might all. get it. We the might last get it. Hits, there were there were quite a few little UCF cameos in there. Obviously, you had Marcus as a little kid in there, and then you had uh, Johnny Dawkins getting absolutely rejected yes. in college. By I Michael saw Dura. that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, or up the next
2: time you talk to him there Murphy gonna bring
1: that up? <laughs> you know what I might because this this thing is such a phenomenon obviously the whole uh, I'm uh, are you telling me that Johnny Dawkins isn't watching the last dance I mean, I mean he's a basketball nut he's gonna be watching it so he, I'm sure he saw himself in this clip he, do was, he rea- oh. how do
2: you think he reacted to that you think he's like are you kidding me of all the clips really
1: <laughs> I'm gonna well it's not just that he blocked Dawkins is that when he was jumping up to block Dawkins, he hit the back of his head on the backboard, which is just yeah. stupid. But obviously, it's it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think so. you're
2: gonna have to ask him. I I feel like the next time you talk to him, uh, I would
1: you,
0: I would kill I would kill to to sit with Johnny Dawkins and watch just one episode of The Last Dance, and have him tell us like what that was like,
1: especially the first episode where they cover yeah. a lot of my career in college, the ACC career where. Yeah. They do overlap for a couple of years, he and Johnny. Uh, so that would be fun. Yeah, and I, obviously, yes, absolutely. Even before we talk about this now, next time we talk to Johnny Dawkins, I'm going to ask him about that clip. Is absolutely, how can I not?
0: <laughs> it wouldn't be funny if he's like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> I didn't watch it. <laughs> no, we love not, you, man. Coach. We love you, man. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And perfect segue, Murph, I appreciate it. We're going to talk about basketball. And uh, one guy going coming into UCF and two guys potentially going out. We'll talk about that and more when we get back. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy, with you. Follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. You can follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez elo and Spokes underscore Murphy. Where if you did, you would have found out. That uh, we have a new member of the UCF men's basketball team, Darius Perry joins uh, UCF. He is a uh, he can't, comes over from uh, Louisville as a graduate uh, transfer. Uh, this was first reported by Corey Evans of uh, of Rivals, but you know he's got quite the uh, he's got quite the resume. Murph, a former four star, uh, as you wrote in your a, in your profile on him on the site, um, not. Overly spectacular numbers uh, in terms of his per game averages, but nearly a forty percent three point shooter. Um, what do you know about this kid, and how did he come to UCF, uh, or at least come to UCF's attention?
1: Well, so I that the last thing you asked, I am not sure of yet as far as like how far the relationship goes back. Uh, but I understand why UCF and, and and Darius were in contact because you know we talked a lot about last year that how young UCF's basketball team was. Well, now when you have the guys you brought in to sort of fill the gaps in that experience, now when they're leaving, then you still need guys to sort of pick up the slack because your young guys, all your freshmen, are still pretty young. So really, Darius Perry's brought in to sort of be the next type of of Dazon Ingram slash Matt Milan transfer, the guy who comes in right away and can contribute while also having a, a huge back backlog of just basketball knowledge. I mean, so Darius Perry's played 100 – he played 100 games at Louisville. Uh, and and it, so he is already, as far as college basketball games, the most experienced player on UCF's basketball team. You know, I think Colin Smith is right behind him at like 97 games played when you include Colin's career between UCF and George Washington. So that experience, I think, is, is really one of the key reasons why he's here. But on the floor, they need another facilitator. They need another ball distributor, and Darius Perry can do that. He had, he had some big assist numbers in the non-conference slate for Louisville. Uh, he's pretty good at, at, at finding open guys. And when you look at the roster they have, really their only clear passer, the only guy that really feels comfortable bringing the ball up consistently is probably Tony Johnson. And as a sophomore, I don't think they want to just put him you know, into the full-time point guard he must play 30 minutes a night kind of role yet, and, and so Darius can be on ball as the one. He can be off ball as the two. Like you said, Jeffrey, he's a he's a decent shooter, 40% from three. He's not a volume shooter. He's not going to be like Matt Milan, who takes 173s a year. He's going to be he's going to be more picking picking and choosing his spots, but he can knock down a shot um, pretty well. He's hyper athletic. He's gonna have, he's gonna bring um, he's gonna have some amazing dunks this year. Uh, he just, he's that kind of guy who's, he's he's just bouncy and explosive. Um, so when you look at all that together and also just reading up on him, it seems like he's a high energy guy. He's a good guy in the locker room. He's a good guy on the bench. Uh, he like sort of led Louisville's bench mob, uh, a couple years ago when they were making a tournament run, uh, when he wasn't playing as much. And he's also a guy who will stand his teammates on the court. I, in my article, I put a thing in, in there, uh, a, a clip of him. Almost getting into a fight against a Duke player, which most college basketball fans look at that and go, "That's awesome! I like to see guys standing up to Duke players." Um, but Darius just <laughs> doesn't back down. He's a, like I said, he's a he's a really a, a high energy guy. And for what this team needs, which is more experience, more ability passing the ball, uh, more shooting ability, more consistent shooting ability, he's a guy who fits all of those boxes. He does, like I said, he didn't have great numbers at Louisville, but he sort of fits what UCF needs from a grad transfer right now. So he's
0: he is coming in as the sort of replacement, if you will, for Dazon Ingram, not Darren Green per se which segues us to the other thing we want to talk about, which is obviously we talked about uh, on a previous show uh, Darren Green uh, declaring uh, his intention to at least explore the NBA draft process now it comes out that Colin Smith is actually doing the same. Murphy had also hinted before that this was kind of something that might have been on the back burner for a while, and now it appears to be um, happening. Now we talked about Darren Green, and there, obviously the discussion around him is well, we really don't expect him to be drafted. I mean, obviously you never know. At least at this point, it's April, but you know we don't expect him to be drafted. We do expect him expect that he would likely return. He's just getting some evaluation work done on himself. But with Colin Smith, is the situation any different?
1: Maybe, possibly. I, I, it's it's hard for me to say. Uh, I would certainly say it's it's different in the fact that you know he has been in college basketball now for four years. Once you add in you know not only the the years he spent at GW, but then the transfer year coming to UCF and now two seasons here. Maybe he's just looking to start his pro career, but. I think for now, I think we have to just assume that they are looking to get evaluated. They are looking to enter the draft, which allows them access, you know, to, to sort of talk to team personnel, talk to NBA personnel. And they sort of can assess the strengths and weaknesses of their game, where they need to improve. So when time comes, which for Colin, which, be, which be, would be next year when he's, a, when he's after his senior year, and for Darren, which would be years down the road, hopefully – then they would know how, where they need to improve between now and then to sort of help, them, help their NBA stock. And so that's why people look at the headline and see that Darren, Darren Green is, is going to the NBA draft. Colin Smith is going to the NBA draft, which, by the way, I should say, it's not official yet that Colin's going to go yet. We, it's not certain, but certainly it's been reported by Jeff Goodman Stadium. With Darren, it is certain. He announced it in conjunction with a post on social media with UCF Athletics. Um, but really the headline is sort of, it's sort of, it sort of fogs what the real story is about because, you know, they're not leaving. I would, I would be, I would be shocked if both of them stayed in the draft and left, especially Darren, who is a freshman. Um, just because, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it's time to go. Obviously, I don't know their family backgrounds. And obviously if they certainly at this time, I would not begrudge anybody leaving to go get a, a professional job and get some money somewhere if it's available to you. However, I think this is mostly guys going out and trying to get feedback on their game, and they can do that right now, all the way through. I think June 15th, the deadline for players, early entry players, to to sort of say, "No, I'm going back to school," is 5 p is uh, excuse me, uh, it's uh, 5 p.m. on June 15th, and the draft is on June 25th. Now, that is also up in the air. If, all, if, if the draft gets pushed back because of the pandemic, maybe the players are allowed to stay in longer. Maybe the deadline to make your decision gets pushed back from June 15th to later than that. I don't know. What I'm saying is that these guys for the next couple of months will have the ability to talk and maybe you know, and just, just to sort of assess their game with people, with you know, coaches and, and personnel at the NBA level, and there's no harm in that.
0: Now, what's the? I remember the old rule was you could declare for the draft, but and you could even be drafted, but as long as you didn't hire an agent, you were okay. Now, have the, have the rules changed on that?
1: Right. So a couple years ago, the rules did change on that, and so players can sign with an agent. The agent must be certified by both the NCAA and the National Basketball Players Association, and you can sign with that agent. And go through the process with that agent, setting up meetings and whatever with 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 whomever from the NBA level. Uh, and then once that player, if that player decides to come back to school uh, before the deadline, that relationship with the agent must be severed. But before, but between then and now, between now and then, they can have an agent and then they can help them in this process. That that is that is definitely allowable. I should also point out. And I'm I'm sorry I didn't add this in my article when I wrote about Colin Smith last night, or I should say Tuesday night. This this has a precedent at UCF. Remember, Taco Fall uh, declared for the draft after the 2017 season. Um, was it Isaiah? Was that Isaiah Sykes also Isaiah Sykes? Yeah,
0: draft. that's correct. Yeah,
1: uh, before his senior season in 2013. So players have done this, and both those guys came back. Obviously, Taco came back for not only his junior year, but then obviously also his senior year after that. Uh, and so this this has this has happened. I, I think the initial shock of like, oh my god, he's going to draft. Uh, it wears off after a while once you really realize what they're probably doing is just getting a better sense of where their game lies for the pro level, which is totally fine.
0: What about the situation with um, with the G League pathway right now? I I know Jalen Green, who is the number one prospect in the ESPN 100 for 2020, um, he announced that he is signing on with the NBA's um, G League pathway, which would. According to sources, this is according to ESPN.com. Uh, sources who spoke to ESPN.com said it would pay elite prospects five hundred grand plus and uh, and provide a one year development program outside of the uh, the G League's traditional team structured. Now, I'm not saying that either that either Colin or Darren would participate in this, but is this something that maybe in the future we're going to have to keep an eye on with guys on that level who are. NBA curious at this point?
1: Uh, well, okay. So I'll just say the, the, the PATH program that the G League has set up is only available to elite high school prospects.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: Kids who have not come to college yet. Uh, that's why you saw Green go to G. That's why th- that issue with Green is more of a college basketball crisis, whereas you know, are we going to lose all our good prospects to this PATH program who are never going to come to college and just go to the G League for one year um, before going to the draft, but for UCF, that's not in the cards because let's be let's be honest. Right now, UCF doesn't recruit what you would consider elite high school prospects to have an opportunity to play in that program.
0: Yeah, unlike you know, it's it's not it's so it's not, not – what you're not, saying that's, is that's, it's not baseball yet. <laughs> it's
1: – that is not, and I, I when I say that, people are gonna like frown and, and shout and say like, we draft great player, we 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 recruit fine, we our recruits are great. Look at Isaiah Adams, he just won Mister Florida Basketball. I understand, uh, but the, in this term of elite, it's a different class of player. It's you're talking
0: about, you you yeah, you're talking about the like, the top three. <laughs>
1: I'm talking such... about kids who should be going to Kentucky, you know, yeah. and. and <laughs>
0: Or, or, you know, if you think about it, who should be just going straight to the NBA anyway? Like, you know, back in the day with Garnett and Kobe and, and LeBron, right?
2: Yeah, this is kind of the NBA's way of trying to kind of what, what everybody was speculating on. that guys are just going to start going back to the old days of the – or not the old days, but back to instead of going to college for a year and skipping now, maybe tweak it to where they go straight to this G League. They develop – and that the Murph described – and they develop them. And that way it doesn't cost this player on the active roster. Because st- that was one of the issues before, is you would have a guy like Jermaine O'Neal who just sit on the bench for three or four years. Yeah. Now you can have a, a system where a kid can play. And it's basically a middle finger to the NCAA, basically. And I do think there's going to be changes moving forward on this from the NCAA basketball. I think, you, uh, Jeff, you brought up the aspect of, you know, there are so many underclassmen that don't get drafted and a lot of people, and I agree with this, I think if those guys don't get drafted, they should be allowed to come back to college basketball. You've, we've seen that with college baseball, where guys either get drafted lower than they thought or don't get drafted and end up coming back to college baseball. And I think I think that's a middle – I think that's where we're headed with this because I think there's going to be uh, some people are like, come on, we got to tweak that. I think that's where we're headed with the college basketball standpoint. Uh, I'm skeptical on the whole G League concept personally because um, – I do think players get promoted better in college Bat Like Zion Williamson became a bigger name because he was at Duke. If Zion, you know, would he have been a bigger name if he came out of high school? Probably not, but you know, until he played. Uh, but I, I think uh, – you know. so there's questions whether financially that could work long term. But I'm not going to – we're not going to get into all that uh, on that respect. But I, I do – I don't think that applies to, to Murph's point. I don't think that applies to Darren or Colin. And let me defend both of them on this. Isn't this the perfect time to kind of see what you know? Kind of see what information you can get. You're you're doing nothing right now, right? We're all in lockdown. You're not there. You're, you're, why not? Like, kind of put your name out there and see what you can learn. You know, and find out what the what the word is. You know, what do you got to work on? I don't. What, yeah. What's the heart Well, yeah, it, are, yeah.
0: what do you got to lose, right?
1: More, <laughs> absolutely, they have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. Uh, uh, you know, especially if they if they decide to come back you know, before the deadline, which again, the deadline is in a couple of months from now. So they have nothing to lose b- between then and now. And also there people should know there are more than currently, there are more than I think a hundred players who are under the description of early entry players. There are certainly college players uh, like James Wiseman or Anthony Edwards, guys who have are early entry, but they're in the draft. That doesn't, they're not, they're not going, they're not going out and to come out later. They're in, but there are more than a hundred players currently, including, I think, David Collins of USF, who are among that list of players who are just testing the waters. That That is the key phrase here. They're testing the waters. So this is not rare. It's never rare. And most of the reason why these guys, these kids do this is the exact reason why we think Colin and Aaron are doing this, is to get a better feel, better sense of their game and what people at the highest level think of what of their game and how they can improve from here.
0: So just to clarify, Mirth, you, you fully expect – both of those guys, at least, to return.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: ahead, <laughs> <I'll
1: hide>. Murph. <laughs> I don't begrudge. See, and here's the thing, right? So if, if if Darren leaves, yeah, I would be surprised because he has three more years of eligibility left. Uh, and if Colin leaves, I'd be less surprised if he only has one more year. But again, I'll, I'll I'll break this. I'll I'll really kind of. Go away from the basketball angle more to the human angle of this all is maybe guys just want to go out and get a paycheck playing basketball somewhere this this fall if possible somewhere because their family really needs some money right now um and so you know the way they can do that is sort of just say i gotta leave college and i gotta go play somewhere it may not be in the nba but somewhere once things open up in the fall hopefully I can play for money. That would be really beneficial for me and my family. Uh, I, you can never begrudge someone that. So maybe they don't come back for that reason. Otherwise, yes, I would expect them to come back, especially Darren and even Colin. Um, so, but but don't don't Jeffrey don't don't uh, make me think that I <laughs> yeah I know Jeffrey I yeah uh, no
0: don't don't put me on the spot. <laughs> well, let me defend Murph.
2: No, in all fairness, uh, let me expand on that. Okay, because you brought it up. The, you know, I mean, these are not the normal s- – Circumstances, okay. I think we all can agree. So I, I think to Murph's point, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a, I think that's a very accurate and a very good point. Is, you know, who knows what the f- financial situation is? Number one, okay. Like, yep. if, you know, hey man, we need money. Here's the other aspect, and Murph brought up the date, June 15th, uh, on that, and and let's just keep it on that date. because I, I know where you're saying, Murph. I think I agree with you. I think the NBA draft's going to get pushed back. To August, yeah. whether they decide to push back the deadline, who knows? That's for everybody to decide. There's pros and cons. Some would say, no, we've got to keep it at June. Because- and, and, and by
0: the way, officially, the NBA season is still under postponement. It has not been canceled. Correct.
2: Correct. And I think, <laughs> and I think they're going to try to play, and, I, you know, and it'll probably be like in, July, in the summer if they do play, and then they're going to push the draft to probably August is what I've heard. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But here's the other aspect of this, and I, I'm glad you brought this up, Merv. June 15th, but let's, let's bring this scenario out here. Let's say we get those guys get to June. And by that point, what's the status of the school? Is the school going to be open? Is the school not open? What's the status of fall sports in college? What if there's no fall sports and now there's closure on campus and there's no, there's nobody knows when this college basketball season gets going. When do you meet? Now you're thinking if you're a player out there, Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know if there's going to be a college basketball. I don't know when I'm going to go back. Maybe my best option is to go to a G League where I can guarantee some money and move forward. I'm not saying that's going to happen with these two in particular, but at the same time, you know, it is interesting the timing. Where are we in June could influence some of these decisions that some of these kids make.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Absolutely. Also, I should add that the deadline for – Early entry players to declare for the draft is April twenty sixth, so that's this weekend. Uh so we still have a few more days left for players, I don't know, like Dre Fuller, who may say, Hey, I want to try it too. I'm just saying um, maybe he wants to try it.
0: No, Mr. anti speculation is out here. <laughs> Absolutely you know. it's
1: speculation, but that's the point. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe he wants to get the same read that Derek. Throwing Carr, names like,
0: out there, willy nilly.
1: Absolutely I am. That's the point.
0: I'm
2: awesome. staying away from that Murph bomb right there. It's that not
1: a murph bomb. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh. If, if, let's, if let's just say Johnson, let's just say
0: that let's just say the alarm clock is ticking on that murph bomb, huh?
1: <laughs> if, if Tony Johnson came out Thursday on the twenty third and said, I'm declaring for the NBA draft, we should know what that means. Right? And then it would be fine. Like you are giving a heart attacks the, right now. <laughs> It's Please. Yeah, can I bring up one thing, too? Kind of uh, yes, circling back to our, to our to – our, yeah, quickly, because I know our podcast is like six, six hours long. Um, uh, the, on Darius Perry, it was interesting reading uh, Chris Mack. Chris Mack is the head coach at Louisville. Uh, reading his comments about Darius once Darius decided to transfer uh, back in March. And uh, – or excuse me. And, uh, yeah, he transferred – I think he decided to transfer in March. And, he talk, and so Sports Illustrated talked to uh, – Chris Mack in April, and they asked him why he thinks that uh, Darius didn't really didn't really seem to fit really well in the Louisville scheme. Because if you look at Darius' stats, the last two seasons, both his, his junior and uh, sophomore seasons, he started out playing a lot of minutes, starting point guard, and then as the seasons went on in both years, he really sort of tailed off uh, and played less minutes, wasn't starting, uh, really some games where he hardly played at all. And Chris Mack said this, so I think it's kind of interesting. And I should preface this by saying Darius Perry, Darius Perry committed to Louisville to play for Rick Petino. And in Rick Petino's system, which is much more up and down and pressing and fast paced. And obviously, then when Perry was coming into the program, that's when everything hit the fan for Patino in that program. And so they brought in David Pageant, which was then followed by Chris Mack. So so obviously Perry was not was then playing for a system that he wasn't really recruited for. And so Mac had to say this about Perry that I think is interesting. He goes, he signed up for a pressing, running, open style that I wouldn't call us Virginia, meaning Virginia's defense, but we play a bit bit more in the half court. And what Mac is trying to get at there is that he didn't really think that Perry was comfortable with the style of defense that that Virginia, that excuse me, that Louisville plays, which is not when he says Virginia, he means the pack line defense, which is when everything is sort of packed in. Uh, and you really don't allow any twos and it's a style of defense that is that is really kind of spreading across the nation because it's worked so well for Virginia. But when I when I read that and I, and I, I think about Johnny Dawkins, I know Johnny Dawkins doesn't play the pack line, but Johnny Dawkins sure plays a lot of half court. And Johnny Dawkins is not coaching a style of basketball like Rick Pitino, where he's pressing and full courting you and really wants to get up and down. It's more methodical. And I, 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 want, I, I wonder, and I don't know if I'll ever get an honest answer about this, about, you know, are there any concerns about how Darius would then fit in this scheme, which would be his third scheme, really, that he'd be sort of learning uh, from being recruited by Pete Patino to working under Pageant and Mac, and now Johnny Dawkins, it's really three different schemes, and how that transition would go for him. Does he see any obstacles along the way? Because it seems like when, when Perry played in a – more slow it down, half court possession to possession team, which UCF is more closely aligned. He struggled, and I think that's something that I would like to explore. I don't know if I ever get a free answer on a good answer on it, but I think it's something to to watch.
0: Unless Johnny is uh, going to play some cards that we don't know he has in his hand.
1: And watch Johnny Dawkins come out of the pack line defense. Come out
0: the pack line right, very, defense very and just well, just go all we'll Dan Tony by, on everybody.
2: Yeah, we'll play by way using the term
0: cards there. Very,
1: very good. Oh, yes. Yes, the Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. and oh.
0: See, I, I see. I did it. I didn't even realize it. All right. Well, it'll be fun to take a look at. I hope we get the chance to talk to John D. Hawkins, um, hopefully soon just to catch up on him and everything. And we want to thank you, of course, for listening to us here at the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. As always, make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for UCF sports content. we got plenty more coming this week, and we'll be following the NFL draft as well follow us on twitter at ucf underscore banner at of course all throughout the nfl draft um i'll be online murph you'll be online eric you'll be online probably lamenting the yeah. Dolphins screwing up the two a pick
2: yes i'll be doing videos with mike tuck
0: that's right you one. did the first video. video with mike that was that was really good so you guys will be working on this together right
2: yes we'll be doing that throughout the weekend i think we're gonna do one after the first round and you know maybe some during the weekend and who knows boys you might get invited be a part of that at some point this weekend. Oh, uh, sign you know, me up, maybe. There you go. There you go, Murr. If you're you got an invite, we'll we'll let you know. I'll book it. We'll plan it out. We'll see how the draft plays out. So yeah I'll be doing stuff there with Mike Tuck uh throughout the weekend on the NFL draft as that develops thankfully <laughs> live program. God, thank you. Um and
1: then, like Do you have do you have topics that you'll be able to cover once uh, a hacker uh, hacks into Joe Judge's line oh. at pick number four for the Giants and doesn't oh. allow the Giants to pick, and we have you have things to fill the air there because that's that's going to happen.
2: What do you guys want
0: the, your Giants to do? I want the offensive tackle.
1: I'm all flashy. No, give me give me Simmons. Give me a defensive. Yeah, I'm a
0: Simmons guy.
2: That's who I said on the Tug preview. We have an, a preview draft. Uh, you can follow on uh, on
0: YouTube. There, uh, we did a man. I'm a big Isaiah Simmons fan too. Like, uh, I, 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 I would be, I would be ha- ha- I would be very him. happy with Simmons. I would be very happy with Simmons. I'm not going. And they're not,
1: they're not taking, they're not taking uh, the the quarterback from Oregon. There's no, there's no, <laughs> no way. There's no way. <laughs> your, boy, that.
0: your boy, Justin Herbert, who you wanted for so bad for
1: three years, Murph. I know. I did. I did. But now I, 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 I believe in Daniel Jones, so I, I'll stick with that. I will say. Draft pre draft coverage is there, there are not many things worse than pre draft coverage. <laughs> there really isn't. Wow, thanks, Murph. No, I just, I just, and I, just, and I and this is this hilarious that we're talking about this on a podcast that we've
0: that is literally pre draft <laughs> coverage.
2: <laughs> thanks for tuning in, even though it's the worst of time.
0: Yeah,
1: like, here's, the meta part of this is like no one knows anything, and for those who think they know something, they're all being lied to by agents or coaches. Who's like, oh, we never talked to that player? No, we never met with that player. Oh, they must not talk to that player. Of course, they met with that player. They're not gonna, they're gonna tell you about it. Or you know, <laughs> we really like that player. Well, we're saying that so that another team will be more willing to trade. More willing that we, you know, a team that we know loves that player will be more willing to trade. You know, up with our pick to get that guy. I mean, it's all, it's all lip service and nonsense. It's really just, dis- it's discouraging. Just people
0: just speaking things out into the universe, you know. It's-
1: Literally just yelling into the blank void of space, uh, and and unfortunately it gets caught by reporters and reported as fact, and none of it's fact. We have no idea other than Joe Burrow's going one, and probably Chase Young's going two, and then from there it's complete chaos.
0: And then I want to watch. And then I want to watch the Last Dance episodes three and four coming up on Sunday. I just glad,
1: Murph, you far. mentioned this at the end and not at the beginning of
2: this podcast. I'm just glad.
1: That's <laughs> true, true. I stuck it everybody in because I've been I've been holding these deep seated thoughts. throughout... I heard pre-draft conversations only to say it's a sham and a mockery but <laughs> better it's already listened and downloaded you suckers
0: <laughs> this wow. is an all-timer this is so good all right on that note we're gonna get out of here yeah, for
1: that note again by the way black and gold better you Go, jeff
0: where are your profiles you got all the profiles for all the guys the, they're draft. all all them up there i got one more to go as of this show i got i'm gonna i'm gonna put one up for jake brown the morning of the draft and uh and and go from there but uh I got se- I got all seven guys that are up there um you know last year you know we, we caught a we, we caught a lot of uh traffic from the Dallas Cowboy fans when Tristan Hill got picked so um here's to uh here's to uh our uh, the NFL fans around uh you know sharing our stuff as well so we're hoping that uh, hoping that it works out for everybody for Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy I'm Jeff sharon thank you so much for listening stay safe this is the black and gold banneret podcast and we will catch you uh, later on. Well, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll do something after the draft. Or maybe we'll do another watch. We'll figure it out. Stay on our Twitter feed, UCF underscore Banneret, for all the latest. We'll catch you later.